Bishop Dr. Michael Hutton Wood, the Senior Pastor of House of Judah, UK, the Happy Church, presents six dynamic life-changing books that will catapult you to higher heights entitled Success Has No Uncles, 12 Cancers to Avoid at All Costs in Leadership, Ministry, and Management. You have only one life. Make it count. Understanding and releasing the power of first fruit offerings and tithes. Invoking the incredible power of altars and sacrifices. Forgive, but don't forget. Success is self-determined. Success consists of little daily efforts. And failure consists of little daily neglects. Daniel said, I understood by books. No matter what life throws at you, stay focused and keep moving through relevant and current information. These books are definitely a must for your library. Order your copies today by calling or visiting our website, www.housejitter.org.uk, or using the information on your screen. Leadership Nuggets, Secrets, and Capsules. Three dynamic books by Dr. Michael Huttonwood from the Leadership Institute. The purpose of leadership is not the maintenance of followers, but the production of more leaders. A leader's job is to influence people to influence others. Three dynamic books that will propel you to the status of an impact-making, life-changing, quality leader of influence in his or her generation. Leadership Nuggets, Secrets, and Capsules. Three dynamic books, a must for your library. Order your copy today using the information on your screen. Because success without a successor is failure. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Global School of Wisdom. God richly bless you all for joining us this evening. You are welcome. Mama B, you're welcome. Abena, you're welcome. As usual, I'd like to encourage everyone that is joining us on Instagram and Facebook to invite others to join us on this platform as we look at the importance of financial education, financial literacy, as we saw 
last week, no one is free until they are financially free. Unfortunately, when we go to school, we are not taught anything about finances, only to come out of school or college or university to have to deal with money matters and everything that we have to do. So the only hope at the moment for people to become financially intelligent is through platforms like this and through churches that are teaching the whole counsel of God. So we consider it a great privilege to have the opportunity to be a blessing through financial literacy. So once again, you are all welcome. Keep sharing, keep sharing, keep sharing. Sandra, God bless you. You are welcome on Instagram. God bless you. Let's keep inviting. Let's keep inviting others to join us. Let's remember we are not free until we are financially free. Glory to God. We started the ball rolling last week, Wednesday, and then last Sunday, we went into the 21 Habits of the Rich, which we are going to continue this Sunday. So the whole of this month, we're dealing with financial literacy to get ourselves positioned for the coming world transfer. And like I said, in the world, wealth is acquired. But in the kingdom, wealth is entrusted. And it's when we are faithful with a little that God entrusts us with more. He that is faithful on another man's job, then God will make him a ruler over his or her. So it's very important that we understand financial management through financial education. You don't grow big to manage well, you manage well to grow big. You don't grow big to manage well, you manage well to grow big. God looks at our faithfulness where we are to determine whether he can bring us more or entrust us with more. In the world, wealth is an acquisition. But in the kingdom, wealth is an entrustment. In the world, wealth is an acquisition. In this kingdom, wealth is an entrustment. He said, who will commit to your trust? Who will commit to your trust? The true riches, the true riches. So money that we're dealing with is not the true riches. There are other things that are classified as the true riches, but it is entrusted to us based on our faithfulness with the little or whatever it is that we have in our hand. So once again, you are all welcome. Keep sharing, keep sharing, keep sharing. Share this on your timeline. Tag somebody, tell somebody and invite them to join us on this platform. Now, last week, we started looking at why teach on biblical economics, why teach on biblical finances, why teach on biblical economics. We saw Deuteronomy 8.18, he says, It is he that giveth us power to get wealth. So, God does not give people money. God gives people power, ability, creativity, innovation to create wealth and to distribute wealth. So God does not give us money physically per se, but he gives us the ability, the wisdom, the opportunities, innovation, creativity, to create it or to go get it. So we must look out for divine wisdom, creativity, innovation, ideas that God can give us in opportunities to create our wealth. Nana Poku, you're welcome. Let's all keep sharing, let's share. So let's go over what we did last week and then dove dive 
into what we're doing today. Jesus spoke, number one, we said Jesus spoke and taught more about biblical economics than any other subject. That 75 to 80 percent of Jesus' parables was about economics. The parable of the talents, the parable of the minas, the prodigal son, all had to do with resources, the alabaster ointment, everything had to do with resources. So Jesus spoke more, if Jesus spoke more about economics, than anything else. That stresses the point that economics, biblical economics, finances are important. Remember, Bible says money answers all things. Or another translation says money answers most things. You can't do anything on this planet without resource. That's why we need to be educated about this money matter so we can handle these things intelligently and come to a place. Remember, um, number two, it says, we became poor that we might become rich. Second Corinthians chapter eight, verse nine. Why teach on biblical economics? He became relatively poor. That we through his poverty might become rich. Number three, we saw third John two, he wishes above all things that we prosper and be in health as our soul prospers. Let's Make a note of these things so we can teach others. When people are arguing about why should they teach on finances in church, everything happening in this economic climate across the nations right now, high inflation, recession, etc., etc., etc. This is a time for us to become financially sound and educated so we can relieve those who are going through difficulties and uncertainties. So biblical economics is vital. So Make a note of this point so when you're educating people or encouraging them, you can give them the scriptures to mark it, match it. Third John 2, God speaking through John said, I wish above all things that you prosper and be in health as your soul prospers. Then number four, we discovered there are only two gods on this planet, God and money. He says, you don't serve, you shouldn't serve God and money. You either serve one and hate the other. So there are only two gods on this planet that control people. God, you're either controlled by God or you're controlled by money. So there are only two gods on this planet. Then number five, Genesis chapter 12, verse 1 to 3. It says, and God called Abraham out of his country, heir of the Chaldees. And said, I'm going to take you to a land. I'm taking you to a land that I will show you. I'm going to teach you a new economic system of reliability on me by following my principles and my instructions. That was Genesis 12, 1 to 3. It says, I'll bless you and make you a blessing. And I'll make of you a great nation and make you a blessing to nations. And then in chapter 13, we are told that Abraham became very rich. Following God's principles and instructions and financial, be right financial behaviors, you become rich and wealthy to be a blessing to the nations. Number six, we said prosperity, wealth, and riches begins in the mind. In the mind. Everything begins in the mind. Wealth, prosperity, riches begins in the mind because as a man thinketh, so is he. Hence the need for financial literacy, financial education, because it all begins in the mind. Mentality matters. That's why the mind is the first to be educated. 
Romans 12, 1 and 2. That's why Paul said, be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Renewing of your mind. Renewing of your mind. Someone is known to have said, I'm concerned that too many people are too focused on money and not on their greatest wealth, which is their education of their mind. Education of your mind is the greatest. The mind is the greatest, greatest place to invest, to become all you're supposed to be. He says, if people are prepared to be flexible and keep an open mind to learn, they will grow richer and richer despite tough challenges that happen all around them. So prosperity and wealth begins with the mind. That's why we must enrich our mind with this information. You're welcome. Number seven, we saw the rich always rule over the poor because of their mindset for what they know and what they do with their money. The rich always rule over the poor because of their mindset, because of what they know. And what they do with what they know. Number eight, we said you are not free until you are financially free. And that begins with financial education, financial education, financial literacy. And that is why we recommend books, 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 books. We said you don't buy books, you buy the author. Because the secrets of men are in their stories. And their stories are found in their books and in their messages. That's why it is said that ignorance is more expensive than books. So, we are not free until we are financially free. And that begins not just with physical money, but financial education. Number nine, we said, Zechariah, why should we teach on financial education, biblical economics? Zechariah 1.17, God speaking, said, my cities through prosperity shall be spread abroad by cities to the prosperity of that's why our God's people that's why we must become prosperous it is through our prosperity that God's influence will be spread abroad number 10 Matthew 6:33 one of the reasons why we must teach on financial education seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added as we pursue the kingdom of God, the interests of God, prioritize kingdom advancement. All the things that people are looking for will be added, added, added unto us. And that is why we must pursue financial literacy, financial education. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. Number 11. It's not the size, we came to the conclusion, it's not the size of a man's income that matters, but the size of his mind. It's not the size of our income that matters, but the size of our mind. If we have the right mindset, when resources comes into our hand, it will, we can, when we make money, we can manage it, and then we can multiply it. So, it's not the size of the income that comes into our hand, but the size of our mind to manage it. And to multiply it when it comes into our hand. The mind is what determines what we do with resources that comes into us. So it's not the size of a man's income that matters, 
but the size of our mind, the size of our mind. We discovered number 12 last week that poverty is not a cash flow problem, but a mind problem. Poverty is not a cash flow problem. So the question is not, the problem is not money that comes into my hands or money that doesn't come to my hand. It's not the size of our income. It's the size of our mind. To be able to engage sound management principles. So poverty, with a mindset, you discover, the right mindset, you discover that poverty is not a cash flow problem, but a mind problem, a mind problem, a mind problem. If people think money will solve problems, they will have a rough ride, but rather it is financial intelligence that we use to solve problems and to produce money. Money without financial intelligence or education or literacy will soon be gone. Will soon be gone. Money, having money without the right mindset, without financial literacy, financial education, about what money is all about, will soon leave our hands. That's why you had the, we had the, um, the, the, what do you call it? The, um, the statistics of people who had become rich in the past, who lost it all by virtue of not having or lacking financial understanding. So they, 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 they lost everything that they had, like Mike Tyson, Evander Holyfield, all the resources that they had. They lost majority of it because they did not have that financial education. You have a, Don King come to the ghetto and tell them uh, he's going to, you know, they should work for him, he's going to train them and he's going to become rich and all that. But by virtue of them not having right financial education, they did not negotiate properly. And so um, they end up with Don King having the majority share and then now you want to fight and find out what's happening. No, that's why we need, we don't only need financial advice but we also need financial education, financial education. So let's continue where we stopped off. Number 14, we dealt with this in church on Sunday, but for the sake of those who are not in church uh, this Sunday, we're going to go over this. Number 14, why financial education? Because nothing is permanent in life. Nothing is permanent in life. Nothing is permanent in life. We gave this the following story of the richest businessman in 1923. And that is why financial education is very, very important. The richest businessman, it says in 1923, a group of our greatest leaders and richest businessmen held a meeting at the Edgewater Beach Hotel in Chicago. Among them were Charles Schwab, the head of the largest independent steel company, Samuel Insull, the president of the world's largest utility, Howard Hobson, head of the largest gas company, Ivor Kruger, president of International March Company, one of the world's largest companies at that time, Leon Fraser, president of the Bank of the International Settlements, Richard Whitney, president of the New York Stock Exchange, Arthur Cotton and Jesse Livermore, 
two of the biggest stock speculators, and Albert Fall, a member of President Harden's cabinet. These 25, these people were the top richest people and businessmen, and they met in this city of Chicago in this hotel. But 25 years later, the story had shifted, had changed. 25 years later, nine of these titans ended their lives as follows. Schwab died penniless after living for five years on borrowed money. Insul died broke in a foreign land. Kruger and Cotton also died broke. Hobson went insane. Whitney and Albert Fall were released from prison. And Fraser and Livermore committed suicide. We say the need for us to have financial education because nothing is permanent. Look at the story of these great men in 1923. Top of their game. But 25 years later, their story was totally different. That is why it's important for us to engage in financial education because I may be rich, you may be rich today and not be rich tomorrow if you don't know how to manage through education and how to multiply your resources. Very, very important. So let's continue. So number 15, there are two things we all do with our mind. We worry or think, but it's start to use our mind to think and to generate solutions which we can sell to people as answers for which they pay us, for which they pay us. So instead of worrying, worrying is using your mind to magnify challenges and problems. Thinking is using your mind to generate solutions. So instead of using our minds to worry about what is happening, let's start educating our mind. Hence the need for financial interest. Let's start educating our mind, educating our mind, because financial education, if you don't have, without financial education, one can totally lose everything. One can totally lose everything and become, unfortunately, in some cases, a welfare case. So let's engage our mind to start providing solutions for which we are paid, for which we are paid, for which we are paid. Number 16, mentality. Why financial education? Mentality matters. And we're going to look at some examples between the mentality of the rich versus the mentality of the poor, which to, to buttress the point of the need for financial education. <laughs> mentality has a lot to do is separating or distinguishing between those who are rich and those who are poor. Mentality, mentality, mentality has a lot to do in separating or distinguishing those who are rich from those who are poor or remain poor. We've said poverty mentality leads to poverty and prosperity and rich mentality leads to prosperity and riches. And we saw from Robert Kiyosaki's book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, he said one of the reasons the rich get richer and the poor get poorer and the middle class struggles in debt is that the subject of money is taught at home but not in school. He said most of us learn about money from our parents. Beggarly parents produce beggarly children. What can poor parents tell their child about money? They will probably simply say, stay in school 
stay in school and study hard. But the child, the child may graduate with excellent grades, but with a poor person's financial programming and mindset. They don't go anywhere significant. So as we continue, let's look at our right, write these things down. Let's look at some of the mentalities of the rich and poor, which buttresses the reason why we must become financially educated. We're going to look at the differences between the mentality of the rich versus the poor. Poverty mentality versus rich mentality. So you can write these factors down. These factors down. Mentality of the rich versus mentality of the poor, which is the reason why we need to teach on financial literacy to get people's minds renewed. So the way one thinks is what determines what one um, attracts. So let's look at a few points on mentalities between the rich and the poor. Now, to the poor, to the poor, success is unimportant. But to the rich, success is an obligation. You can write these things down. The differences between the mentality of the rich and the poor. Well, everything has to do with mentality. To the poor, success is unimportant. They don't classify success as unimportant. Maybe somebody should go and earn the money. And then come and give it to them. That's the mindset. Success to the poor. Success. I don't always say the poor. Remember I've always said, when we always say the poor, what we're describing are people who have the opportunity to become rich through education, but do not seize the opportunity. They do not seize the opportunity. They do not seize the opportunity because to the poor who remain poor, the attitude is success is unimportant. Success is unimportant. But to the rich, success is an obligation. So you see the mentality. To the poor, success is unimportant. Somebody should give them some money, you know, to just run around and do the things that they need to do. But to the rich, they believe that success is an obligation. It's an obligation. To the poor, they might say that success is by default. But to the rich, they say success is by design. In other words, you design your success. You don't just leave it hanging. You don't just leave it as whatever will be, will be. No. Their mentalities are totally different. And because of that, the results are also totally different. So, number two, second mentality between the rich and the poor is the poor blame others. The poor blame others for their plight, for their predicament, for their position, for where they are. The poor blame others, but the rich are responsible. Take the rich take full responsibility for where they are and where they must go. To the poor, the poor blame others. We're looking at the mentality of the rich versus the mentality of the poor. The poor blame others, but the rich act responsibly. They take full responsibility for the outcome of their life. Those are the factors that determine why the rich are getting richer and the poor are getting poor, poorer. The rich, the poor spend money. The poor spend money, but the rich invest money. The poor spend money, 
when resources comes into their hand, they believe that there's a mechanism of whatever it is. Let's attribute it to mentality because some don't understand the purpose of money. When money comes into the hands of the poor, the poor spend it. But the rich look for places and things to invest, to make profit. Like the parable of the talents, the parable of the minas. God always gives more to people who use what is given them to trade and make um, engage in investments and make profits. Because God is very profit-minded, very, very profit-minded. For God so loved the world that he gave, he invested his only begotten son. Whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life so God can inherit, inherit, inherit humanity, bring humanity back to himself. The poor blame others, but the rich take responsibility for their lives. The poor spend money, the rich invest money. The rich invest money. The poor don't invest in themselves. But the rich invest in themselves. Mentality between the rich and the poor, which is what distinguishes them. The poor spend money, but the rich invest money. They engage in investments. They're always looking out for things to invest in that will bring profits. Profits. So the poor don't invest in themselves. But the rich keep investing in themselves to get better and better and better. The rich, the poor spend money. When money comes into their hand, the mentality of the poor who remain poor is, what can I buy for myself? What can I spend? Which shop can I go to? What can I get for myself? But when money comes into the hands of the rich, they are looking for where to invest. Then next point, the poor refuse to study. The poor refuse to study, but the rich keep reading and keep studying. The poor refuse to study. They refuse to learn, unlearn, relearn, but they are relying on somebody else. And like I said, when I talk about the poor, I'm talking about, I'm not talking about people who are born poor and don't have access to information like this informations on this platform. We're talking about people who have access to information. They go to church and they hear about tithing, giving, service, investment, or they Google, they can Google and get this information, but they find it tedious. You know, go through the long process of going to study, you know, and all that. So now they, 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 they refuse to study, but the rich are always reading and always studying, learning, unlearning, and relearning. You know, it was Jim Rohn who said, schooling gives you a certificate, but continuous learning makes you a fortune. Schooling gives you a certificate, but continuous learning makes you a fortune. Schooling gives you credentials, but it is continuous learning that changes your mindset. Schooling is for a season. But learning is for life. Schooling is for a season, but learning is for life. That's the mentality of the rich and the poor. <clears throat> so, the poor refuse to study. 
the rich engage in continuous, ongoing learning, ongoing learning. Then the poor focus their attention on the past. The poor focus their attention on the past. The rich focus their attention on the future. You know, Jeremiah 29, 11, God speaking said, I know the thoughts that I have concerning you, thoughts of good and not of evil, and to bring you to an expected end. So God is very futuristic. And the rich are very, very futuristic. Even when God called Abraham and is about to change his life and everything, he took him out and said, look at the stars in the sky. Look at the sun on the seashore. That's how I'm going to bless you. In other words, start, change your uh, mentality. I'm giving you an, a, a, a picture for you to imagine what it can become like. Glory to God. So schooling is for a season. But learning is for life. Schooling is for a season, but learning is for life. Schooling is for a season, but learning is for life. That's the mentality the rich understand that schooling is for a season. So just because we've been to school doesn't mean that we know everything. And con con considering the fact that in school we are not taught anything about finances, then it's continuous learning that changes our story. Pastor Joel, you're welcome. She says, great wisdom from Papa. We are so proud of you. Keep moving forward. God bless you, Pastor Joel. So we're looking at the mentality between the rich and the poor under financial education and why financial education and why financial literacy. So we said the poor focus their attention on the past, blaming everything in the past, what the advantage, the disadvantages what they didn't have access to, who didn't pay their fees, who did this and who did not do that, or focusing on the past. Whereas the rich, irrespective of what happened in their past, they focus on the future. You know, you have the story of the, of, of the uh, KFC, Kelly uh, Sanders, you know, all that he went through, and yet he sailed, he sailed through, uh, it's never, we learned from the KFC gentleman, he was on the verge of suicide when an idea of opening a restaurant hit him after he retired as a cook in the Navy. So irrespective of what happened to him, he made a choice. And that's what happens. Even when the rich fail several times, like my, uh, John Maxwell said, they fail forward. They learn from what they learn from what happened and then make major progress, make major progress. But the poor who remain poor just focus on the past and don't make any efforts to sail into the future. So we must join the bandwagon and of the rich in changing our mentality. It doesn't matter how many times we failed, like uh, Abraham Lincoln failed several times, lost the legislature failed elections, stood for Congress, didn't succeed, stood for the Senate, Senate seat, didn't succeed, but continued, continued, persisted, and then became the 16th president of the United States of America. So, Mamabi says, those who keep giving excuses should have, would have, could have been, instead of what it can be now. Everybody has got challenges, everybody goes through stuff, but we must focus 
and then take the next step, step out of our comfort zone. You know, Job said, I know my Redeemer liveth. So the poor mentality between the rich and the poor, the poor focus attention on the past. The rich focus the attention on the future. What can be? What can be? What can be? The poor are income driven. The poor are income driven. But the rich are net worth driven. Net worth driven. The poor who remain poor are income driven, just depending on their income. But the rich are net worth driven. Net worth driven. They are focused on what their net worth is. And remember, we'll be looking at that, this in detail on Sunday. Your network is your net worth. Your network is your net worth. Your network determines your net worth. You know, one of the attributes of the poor versus the rich. It says the poor look for work, but the rich network. The poor who remain poor look for work, but the rich keep networking, networking, because your network is your net worth. The rich keep networking whilst the poor who remain poor keep looking for work. Instead of digging inside them, looking on the inside and finding out what is inside them. The poor believe that their wealth is outside in the hands of somebody. But the rich believe that their wealth, their, their wealth is inside them, inside their gifting. You know, the Bible says a man's gift shall make room for him and bring him before great men. Uh, the poor always waiting, like when um, the lady who came to Elisha and said, my husband has died and left us in debt. I'm sure she was expecting the man of God to pray and then do some gymnastics or acrobatics. Uh, and I just focused just on prayer. But there the man of God, knowing better, looked at this woman and says, what do you have in your house? In other words, everything that you need to become is on your inside. Your gift, your gift, your gift, your gift. You know, the poor focus on what a pastor can pray, what a pastor can do, what somebody can give me, what somebody can do, you know, from the outside. Meanwhile, our world creating tools are right in our inside. Our world creating tools are right inside us. So we've been conditioned to think the only way is to look for work instead of creating work, instead of creating work finding what is on our inside and developing it and then using it to add value to others. Those are some of the uh, mentalities that separate the rich from the poor. So the poor are income-driven, income-driven, whereas the rich are net worth-driven, net worth-driven. What am I worth? What is my net worth? Then number, the next point, the poor think small. The poor think small, but the rich think big. The poor think impossibilities. The rich think possibilities. So the mentalities of the rich versus the poor. That's why we must expose our minds to financial education. Financial education, I was listening to a message today to pastors and a man of God was saying when it comes to God there is no ceiling there is no ceiling there is no ceiling it's not even the sky is the limit no 
There is no ceiling. God is able to do exceed abundantly above everything that we think. If we can think it and we can pursue it, we can become it or we can have it. So it's important that we start thinking big. And that's why financial education is important because it tells you about the possibilities. Things that we can do, things we can invest in, things we can read, etc. The poor think small, but the rich think big. By virtue of what their mind has been exposed to, the possibilities, the possibilities, the possibilities. Then the poor fear change. They fear change. They fear change. Stepping out to do something different. Oh my, what if it doesn't work? What if, what if, what if? What if it doesn't work? But the rich, the attitude of the rich is, what if it works? The poor who remain poor say, what if it doesn't work? The rich starts saying, what if it works? If only we can think it. Nothing is impossible. Absolutely. 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 The poor think, the poor fear change. The rich embrace change. Not the poor say, uh, like the gentleman, what he said in the, in the, is it Proverbs or Ecclesiastes? Proverbs, I believe it is. He said, the poor, the slothful, the sluggard, the lazy says, he's not going outside because there's a lion in the streets. Hey, lions, where I come from, and even in this country, lions are only in the zoo. Since when do we find lions outside roaming on the streets? The poor man who remains poor says, I'm not going out and I'm, going, I'm not going out, stepping out to invest in anything or, you know, do anything different because there is a lion in the street. And Proverbs describes this person as the lazy, the slothful, who doesn't want to do anything, doesn't want to take initiatives, doesn't want to take risks. He said, there's a lion in the street. I'm afraid if I step out there, a lion, a lion. Those are all excuses not to step out of your comfort zone to try something different. The poor who remain poor, fear change. What if it doesn't work? However, the rich embrace change. What if it works? Albert Einstein tried several times, several hundreds of times before he succeeded. The KFC gentleman, Abraham Lincoln, all the successful people failed many, many times before they succeeded. So we need to step out. The poor fear change. The poor fear change. But the rich embrace change. Proverbs 26, 13. He said the slothful man or the lazy man or the one who remains poor says there is a lion in the way. There's a lion in the streets. There's a lion in the way. So I'm not going out there. There's a lion in the streets. There are no lions anywhere. <laughs> Some may say Goliath is too big. Uh, the, the ten spies said uh, the sons of Anak are in that city. We can't go out there. We are not able. We are not able to go out there. What we need to understand is that there are giants in everybody's promised land. There are giants in everybody's promised land. There are competitions in every profession, competition in ministry, competition in church, competition everywhere. There are competitions, there are competitors everywhere. 
But until you step out there, you don't know what is possible. David decided, no, it doesn't matter what Goliath looks like. I've tried the sling. I've tried the stone. I dealt with the bear and I dealt with the lion. He says, this guy looks like those two animals that I dealt with in the wilderness. I'm going to deal with this guy. David did not give Goliath's height as an excuse. As an excuse, unlike what the lazy do said, there is a lion in the street. There's a lion in the way. David said to Goliath, I'm going to take your head off. Remember, David did not have a sword in his hand, but he stepped out. Just like what the rich do. They don't fear change. They embrace change. They take calculated risks. They step out of their comfort zone. And that is why we must, thank you, Nana says, that's why we must hang around those who think big and those who think possibilities. That's why we must hang around those who think big and those who think possibilities. Glory to God. David stepped out, dealt with Goliath, killed Goliath, and glory to God, became the armor bearer to King Saul and eventually became a king. So we need to hang around some Davids and think and speak big. Glory to God. Think and speak possibilities. Speak possibilities. Speak possibilities. Glory to God. Let's begin to round up. The poor criticize. The poor keep criticizing. But the rich keep complimenting. See the mentalities of the rich and poor, which is the need why. We need platforms like this to expand and enlarge our coast. You know, Isaiah 54 says, enlarge your coast, enlarge your tent, enlarge your territory, enlarge your scope, enlarge your thinking. The poor criticize, whereas the rich compliment, compliment. And anytime you criticize a successful person, you don't gain access to what they know. That's why we must hang around with the right people. The poor criticize, but the rich compliment, the compliment. Then the poor waste time, they waste time, they waste time, they waste resources, but the rich buy time. The poor waste time, but the rich buy time, they buy time. They, you know, they know time is the currency of life. So they maximize time, they take advantage of time, they buy more time. Someone, a man of God said, um, it's a shame that they have, if, if we, are, we all have 24 hours in a day, and that if he could stand by the roadside and buy the time of people, the time that people do not use that they waste, he could buy it and add it to what he has to be able to do more. So they're poor criticize, and you don't attract what you criticize. You cannot attract what you criticize but you can attract what you complement, what you complement. The poor waste time, but the rich buy time. They buy time. The poor cause problems. Next point, we have two more to go. The poor cause problems, but the rich solve problems. The poor cause problems, but the rich solve problems, solve problems, find solutions, and solve problems. Glory to God. Then the poor depend on a single flow of income. The poor depend on a single flow of income, whereas the rich create multiple flows of income. 
the rich create multiple flows of income. The rich create multiple flows of income. And then finally for today, the rich, the poor are work driven, like we saw earlier, earlier on. The poor are work driven, work driven, work driven, but the rich are goal driven, goal driven, goal driven. The poor are work driven, but the rich are goals driven, driven by their goals, not necessarily by just work, but they are goal driven. So, the last three points are the poor cause problems, the rich solve problems. The, 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 the poor depend on single flow of income, but the rich depend on or create multiple flows, multiple flows of income. The poor are work driven, the poor are work driven, but the rich are goals driven. They are driven by their goals. They are driven by their goals. They are not, they don't create to-do lists. They do uh, goals lists. <laughs> goals lists. They create goals lists, not just to-do lists. So you can tell why the rich are getting richer and the poor are getting poorer from these examples that we are given here. Glory to God. So once again, Financial education, very, very important, very, very important. We've looked at uh, a few uh, reasons why the poor are poor and the rich are rich. The, to the poor, success is unimportant. To the rich, success is an obligation. To the poor, the poor blame others, but the rich take responsibility. The poor spend money, but the rich invest money. The poor refuse to study new things. The rich read and study. The poor atten pay attention to the past. The poor atten uh, pay attention to the future. The poor are income driven, but the rich are net worth driven. The poor think small, but the rich think big. The poor fear change, but the rich embrace change. The poor criticize the rich and the successful, so don't have access to them. Whereas the rich keep complimenting those who are rich to attract their wisdom. The poor waste their time, but the rich buy time. The poor cause problems, but the rich solve problems. The poor focus on a single flow of income or depend on a single flow of income, but the rich create multiple flows of income. And then finally, the poor are work driven, but the rich are goals driven. I trust that this has been a blessing to you. Receive grace, receive grace, receive grace and the mind of Christ, and the wisdom of God, in the name of Jesus Christ. Now, if you are watching and you are not saved, you are not born again, we want to encourage you to pray this prayer with us. Say, Father, thank you for the word of God. Thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross. I believe he died and was raised from the dead. I accept him as my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' precious name. Amen. Glory to God. If you pray that prayer, you're born again. You've given your life to Christ. And after that, you need to desire the sincere milk of the word that you will grow thereby. So we highly recommend our church to you. Glory to God. In the heart of Croydon, the details are scrolling at the bottom of the screen. 
House of Judah City Church in the heart of Credit, 387 London Road, three minutes walk from Credit University Hospital. The details are flowing at the bottom, scrolling at the bottom of the screen. So join us every Sunday in our actual service. We are continuing this series. Sundays, we're looking at 21 habits of the rich. I dealt with six of them, and we're going to continue this Sunday, the following Sunday, all through the whole of May. Don't miss it for anything. It's going to be awesome, awesome, awesome. We are back this Friday, 6 p.m. on this platform. 6 p.m. We're going to be praying for wisdom for finances, wisdom to create wealth, wisdom to create wealth. And this Saturday, my panel, my pastors will be joining me once again. We're speaking on um, the habits, the financial habits and behaviors we need to adopt. Last week, we dealt with wastage. Very exciting. So don't miss this Saturday lunch hour with our achievers from 12 to 1 with my panel. We're going to be discussing various habits and behaviors. That make the rich rich and that make the poor poor. So don't miss it for anything. It's going to be awesome. And mark your calendar Saturday, 12 noon. Mark your calendar Sunday. You need to be in the house of Judah. Everyone on the platform encouraging you. Invite someone and bring them on to church this Sunday. Spread and share this message today everywhere. All the social media platforms. Share it everywhere. Sandra says, thank you. Learned some new points this evening. Smashed it, Bishop. Glory to God. Glory to God. The best is coming. The best is coming. The best is coming. God bless you all for joining us. Finally, we have the uh, Wealth Transfer Masterclass coming up on the uh, 28th of May. If you haven't registered, we encourage you to register at michaelhattonwood.org. The coming Wealth Transfer Summit Masterclass. Who qualifies for the world transfer? What's the world transfer for? Are there examples in the Bible? And are there contemporary examples? We're going to look at all that. Register at michaelhattonwood.org for this powerful world transfer masterclass. It's going to be awesome. Once again, God bless you all for joining us this evening. Don't forget to share, 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 share. This session on, on Instagram, on Facebook, share it everywhere for it to be a great blessing to others. Glory to God. God bless you. See you this Friday at 6 p.m., Saturday, 12 noon, and definitely Sunday, Sunday, 11 a.m. Invite many others to come and receive this empowerment session. Have a wonderful evening. God. Bless you.